Hello everyone, welcome, and thanks for listening to the Carpool 5-Minute Mysteries, a first-of-its-kind podcast. Francis Farabaugh here. It is currently September of the year 2021. Perhaps you are hearing me in your mom or dad's car on your way to and from school. Well, I want you to know that roughly 20 years ago, myself and two of my friends were about your age and doing the exact same thing. We were in Carpool on our way to Wethersfield Elementary. And that's where the idea for Carpool 5-Minute Mysteries was born. Engaging with mysteries, jokes, riddles, and puzzles in the carpool was our way of getting the brain juices flowing and getting ourselves learning ready for a day at school. So that's why, 20 years ago, we recorded this on a ye oldie cassette tape. It was tons of fun, and we loved it. My hope is that 20 years later, you will like it. And also, I'm curious to see if this concept could grow. Okay. A couple things quickly, and then we're going to jump right in. There are a couple ways you can listen to this podcast. You can find it in the same place you find all of your other podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Stitcher, etc. You can find these apps just by tapping on the apps icon on your phone. If you don't want to use an app, you can, of course, stream it directly from this link at any time. All of these ways to listen are completely free. There will never be any cost or fee or advertising associated with Carpool 5-Minute Mysteries. This is 100% all-volunteer, all-amateur youth enrichment. Secondly, going viral with this concept would be great. So if you like what you hear, please feel free to forward to anyone else you think might enjoy or might want to participate. Friends, cousins, neighbors, fellow teammates, club members, etc. Anyone, the more the merrier. You can also always rate and review this podcast. It really helps us out. Lastly, this podcast has our original 10 mysteries from 20 years ago. Total listening time, with solutions included, is just over one hour, and I do promise the solutions will be provided. However, to make things a bit more interesting and a bit more challenging, and just a bit more fun, we are not going to publish the podcast with the answers just quite yet. Instead, we're going to wait a few weeks and give our young listeners the opportunity to submit their very own answers for Mysteries 2 through 10. For the first mystery, the case of you're out of there, the solution will be provided immediately after the musical interlude to help give you an idea of how it all works. So how do you submit your answers, you may ask? Well, simply send an email to carpoolmysteries at gmail.com. That's carpoolmysteries, all one word, at gmail.com. I've included that email address in the podcast description on the URL. For the email, please include your name, the mystery name, your school name, and of course, a brief description of your solution. Depending on the number of responses we get in September, perhaps we will include your first name and the school name of all those who provided the correct answer when we published the version with the solutions in three to four weeks. Bragging rights goes to the grade school with the greatest number of correct answers. So keep your solutions confidential. To keep it sporting, however, we will limit you to one answer per mystery per person. Okay, that's it. I will come back on after mystery number 10 for a final wrap up. And so with that, please return with me now, back to those thrilling days of yesteryear for an intro from Ashley, Caitlin, and me, your very own Weathersfield Mystery Players. My name is Frances Farabaugh. My name is Ashley Benton. My name is Caitlin Kilborn. And And we are the Weathersfield Mystery Players. I hope you enjoy solving these mysteries as much as Ashley, Caitlin, and I enjoy making them. 
There are ten mysteries on this tape. Each runs approximately four minutes. Some are more challenging than others, but we think most third, fourth, and fifth graders should enjoy solving them. You might have to listen to each mystery a couple times to catch all of the detailed clues. On this tape, you will also hear some musical interludes by Dave, Golden Lips, Kilborn, and some character voices by Mark, Tricky Mouth, Faraba. And now, without further ado, put on your thinking caps, listen closely, and best of luck solving the mysteries. Take it away, Golden Lips. I mean, Dad. <laughs> Mystery number one, the case of you're out of there. One of the best things about living in Thousand Oaks is the fantastic weather. Not too hot and not too cold with lots of sunshine to boot. It makes walking home after school on a spring day just perfect. On this spring day in March, the girls and I decided to take a long route home and pass by the sandlot where the boys were having a pickup baseball game. It was really just an empty field where they used to keep horses, but the boys always treated it like it was Dodger Stadium. Who's winning? They don't know. They don't even keep score. They just keep playing and playing. Don't they ever get tired of this game? Oh, look, Andrew's up next. Come on, Andrew, hit the ball this time. Come on, Andrew, get a homer. What is a home run on this field? You do see that old windmill back there on the in the cattle tank below it. Yeah, okay. Well, if you hit it past there, it is a home run. But if it splashes in the cattle tank water, then it's just a double. Go, Andrew, go! Oh! Ooh, that was strike number one. Come on, bud, shake it off. Come on, Andrew, keep your eye on the ball. Okay, Andrew, this is a big one. No pressure, no pressure. Oh! Ooh, that was strike number two. All right, let it go, man. This is it, dude. This one's yours. Now that sucker, Andrew. Just then, Andrew hit a big one. Hot Yeah! Go, Andrew! The ball flew high and far. It was going and going and going. Then it hit the windmill, started to fall, barely missed the cattle tank, bounced off an old garden hose, and then started to roll across the ground. Would it make it to the home run line? Everyone watched as it rolled and rolled and rolled, and then, poof, it was gone. What happened? Where did the ball go? Everyone, including us, ran into the outfield to try to find the disappearing pop fly. Anybody see it? Oh, no, look, everybody, I think it fell down this hole. There, next to the windmill, was an old dry well. The hole was barely no bigger around than the baseball itself, but, man, you could tell it was deep. Harvey McDoodle pulled a nickel from his pocket and dropped it down the shaft and said, This old well's got to be 50 feet deep. That ball is gone for sure. I'm a dead man. I'm toast. 
Life as I know it is over. Oh, come on, Harvey. It is just some silly old ball. Nobody is going to care. You don't get it. Get what? I swiped that ball from the trophy case in my brother's room. It was the game-winning home run last season when T.O. High beat Westlake in the finals. Coach Stillwell himself signed that ball. My brother cherishes that stupid thing, and as soon as he finds out it's missing, he's going to throttle me. Yep, you're done for. It was nice knowing you, Harvey. Aw, nuts. Come on, everybody. you got to help me make up a story to get me out of this pickle. Relax, Harvey. You don't need to make up any stories. We will have that ball out of there lickety-split. Okay, audience, your turn. How is Ashley going to save Harvey's skin by getting his ball out of the deep well? Dave, we are definitely going to need some mystery-solving music for this one. Take it away. to mystery number one, the case of you're out of there. Did you have any luck solving this one? Well, believe it or not, a baseball actually floats. In order to get Harvey's baseball back, all they had to do was fill up the well and grab the ball once it floats to the top. And where was the water to put in the dry well? In the tank under the windmill, of course. The real challenge was how to get the water from the tank to the dry well. Ashley pointed at Harvey and said, Take this garden hose and hold it under the water until all of the bubbles come out. Harvey was in no position to argue, so he did just what Ashley said. Soon, the air bubbles stopped and the hose was completely filled with water. Then she said, Now, Harvey, keep holding this end of the hose underneath the water. Ashley then squeezed the other end of the hose shut and ran it over to the dry well and stuck it in the hole. As soon as she let her hand off the hose and water came gushing out at full blast, she had built a siphon. The water kept flowing out of the hose and into the dry well. After only a couple of minutes, the well was completely full and Harvey's missing ball floated to the top. No sooner did the ball appear when Ashley grabbed it and yelled, You're out of there! That, Ashley, isn't she something? Mystery number two, the case of whatever floats your boat. It was a warm Halloween evening, and the girls and I got a most unusual offer. In the past, we had been trick-or-treating in the neighborhood and sometimes at the mall, but we have never been trick-or-treating on a lake. But that was where we were going tonight. Okay, Francis, explain this to me again. We are going trick-or-treating on a lake Yeah, Francis, what are we supposed to do? Swim from house to house? Aw, come on, girls. This will be great. 
Mr. and Mrs. Smith are good friends of my parents. They live on Blue Sail Street in Westlake Village. All the houses there actually back up to Westlake Lake, and they all have docks. This year, the people will be handing out candy to trick-or-treaters in boats from their docks. I mean, how cool is that? But we don't have a boat. No problem. Mr. Smith said we could use their old rowboat. There's their house now. Well, hello. Who have we here, Mae West? Hi, Mr. Smith. It's me, Frances Faribault. I am not Mae West. I am supposed to be Madonna. Madonna, of course. That was going to be my next guess. And these lovely ladies must be uh, Raquel Welch and Bridget Bardot. Nope. My name is Caitlin, and I'm supposed to be Christina Aguilera, Mr. Smith. Please call me Joseph. And my name is Ashley, and I'm supposed to be Britney Spears. Yep. The more things change, the more they stay the same. So, are you divas going trick-or-treating on the lake, hmm? Sure. You bet. Why not? Well, okay then. Let's get the Valdez all set up. Is that your rowboat? Yep. She's an old salty sea dog, but a more seaworthy craft you'll not find. Mr. Smith pushed the rowboat into the water and handed us the paddles. We climbed into the boat, high heels and all, and he gave the boat a good shove. As we drifted out into the lake, he yelled, Now just stay close to the shore and don't try to go across the center of the lake. It gets pretty deep out there. Okay. Okay. Aye, aye, Captain. We moseyed up to the first dock and said, Trick or treat. The costumes were a big hit. We got lots of laughs, and we got to hear the thud sound of lots of gooey candy hitting our trick-or-treat bag. We did this time after time to all the docks on this side of the lake until Ashley said, I bet they have much better candy over there by those homes. But we probably shouldn't cross the lake. I don't see the harm. We can make it across in two shakes of a monkey's tail. Let's go for it. No sooner was our small boat in the middle of the lake when Caitlin cried out, Yikes! I'm getting wet! Ashley reached down and stuck her finger in a long, narrow crack that was developing in the bottom of the boat. We are taking on ice-cold water. At this rate, the boat will sink way before we can get to shore. Oh no! Unless we stop this leak, our costumes will totally be ruined. Keep your head about, girls. I know just what to do to salvage this situation. Have you got this one figured out yet, audience? If not, you better hurry, because Golden Lips is about to do his thing. It's all yours, Dave. Number three, the case of the chime of the ancient mariner. Staying in touch with relatives has always been a big thing in my family, so I was not a bit surprised when my mom told us we would be going to Port Wainimi this weekend to see my grand uncle, Captain Hogard Van Dom. 
Uncle Hogard was my grandmother's oldest brother who had been in the Merchant Marines since he was a teenager. I grew up hearing my grandmother's stories of Hogard and his adventures at sea in the early days of modern ships. Uncle Hogar was famous because, as a young boy, he was actually the first sailor to hear the Titanic send its SOS distress signal. Now I and the girls, of course, were about to meet the legendary Uncle Hogar for the first time. The ship that he is the captain of his docking in Port Wainimi for a week. How much longer till we get there? Just a couple more minutes. I think. Have you ever been to a port before? Never. I have never been on a cargo ship before. Me neither. This is going to be so great. I can hardly wait. Just then, we looked around the corner, and there they were. Wow, look at those huge boats. You could get lost in there for days. What's that? That's the horn from Uncle Hogar's boat. Who's that guy with the long beard waving at us? That's him. That's Uncle Hogar. Yeah, yeah. Guten Morgen down there. Hello, Hello up there. Ahoy. Can, Can he come aboard? Yeah, yeah. Guten Morgen. Those are the gangplank, yeah. Hello, Uncle Hogar. I'm Ashley, and these are my friends, Caitlin and Francis. How do you do? Nice to meet you. What lovely girls. Welcome to my boat. Is it true that you helped rescue the passengers of the Titanic? Yeah, yeah. That was long ago, in the early days before modern navigation or even radios. Do you mind if we go exploring? Oh, please, we, please, please. Well, I guess so. But this is a big ship, huh? and my crew is on shore leave. If you get lost... And I may never be able to find you again. <laughs> oh, don't worry about us. We never get into trouble. <laughs> For hours we ran through the huge cargo vessel and never saw a single soul. We kept going down and down flights of stairs until Caitlin spotted a steep ladder which led into a small room. Hey, look down there. This must be the ship's library. I don't see anything. It's too dark. Dare we go in? I don't know. It's awful steep and the hatch is barely open. I can make it. See? Now follow me. One by one descended down the ladder into the old book room at the bottom of the ship. I called down to Caitlin to flick the light switch. Okay. This must be the one. be the light switch. Yep, that's better. Wow! Look at all these great books. Look at this one, the Fishmonger's Guidebook. And this one, the Complete Book of Maritime Communication and the Fundamentals of Diesel Engine Repair. They've got everything here. Just then we heard a terrible sound. It was the heavy hatch at the top of the door ladder slamming closed. We all ran up to the ladder and began pounding on the door. Help! Help! Let us out! Help! Oh no! 
We're trapped, and Uncle Hogar is never going to find us down here. We could be here for days, maybe weeks, maybe our whole lives. We could die of scurvy down here. Chill out, girls. I've got an idea that'll have Uncle Hogar dashing directly down here and opening the heavy door five minutes on the dot. How about you, audience? Got this one figured out like Francis does? If not, here's a little sailor tune to get you in the mood. Mr. Golden Lips, do your stuff. Mystery number four, the case of Don't Bug Me Now, I'm Eating. The science fair at Weathersfield has got to be one of the best events of the year. I love to see all of the different ideas that the students have come up with. Some are very clever, some are very entertaining, and some are downright silly. This year's science fair was no exception. It was the morning of the fair, and we were all piling into carpool, carefully holding our experiment. Francis turned to me and asked, So, what did you do this year for your science experiment? I did a double-blind taste comparison on store-bought apple pies versus my mom's homemade apple pies. The test results were fascinating. I'm going to set up both pies side by side and let people do the taste test for themselves. How about you, Ashley? I built this huge ant farm and made all sorts of observations on ant behavior. I learned a lot of interesting things about ant life. Believe me, I will never look down at the ground in quite the same way. How about you, Francis? I did an anthropology test with nail polish. How in the world did you do that? Simple. I took Lucas Martin's dog, Augie, who is a boy, and painted his nails on his front paws with bright festive colors like hot pink, passion yellow, and groovy orange. How does that prove anything? I put them in a room with my two female dogs, Mocha and Wappa, and carefully documented their interactions. Holy cow, what did you discover? Well, at first, I noted an increase in Augie's self-confidence as he pranced around showing his fancy paws to both Wappa and Mocha. But then, something strange happened. What? It seemed as though Mocha and Wappa began to get jealous of Augie. I think it was because he was getting all the beauty attention. So they deliberately started to ignore Augie. I think I even heard Mocha and Wappa started to snicker and giggle at Augie. After they did that, he became so self-conscious that he ran under the bed and refused to come back out. Like I said, some clever, some entertaining, and some downright silly. Anyhow, at the end of school, we all went over to the cafeteria to set up our exhibits. Only the kids who had an exhibit could get in. They would not let the general public in for another hour. Everyone was putting the finishing touches on their displays. The place was packed with kids. After about 30 minutes, Ashley called to me from the next aisle over. Hey, Caitlin, are you done? Yeah. Can you give me a hand? Sure, I will be right there. Hi, girls. 
Hey, Ashley, your exhibit looks great. Have you seen mine yet? No. You have got to show us. Especially the photos of Augie with his nails done. After we saw Francis's photos, they both wanted to see my science exhibit and sample the apple pies for themselves. I agreed to let them have a sneak preview, so we walked back to my exhibit. As we approached, I said, Oh, no. What's wrong, Caitlin? Someone has eaten most of the pies. Just look. They all have big bites out of them and crumbs and sticky filling all over the place. No one is going to try my taste test now. The whole experiment is ruined. We should go tell Mr. Carr. He is going to want the person that did this. There's so many kids in here, no one is going to admit to doing it. Let's face it, we'll never catch the guilty party. Leave it to me. I know just what to do. We will finger that pie thief in plenty of time before the science fair starts. Your turn, audience. What is Ashley's plan to uncover the perpetrators and bring them to justice? Think fast, because here comes Dave and that saxophone sound. It's all yours, Golden Lips. Number five, the case of the questionable cave. It's amazing how many wonderful learning opportunities are right here in our own neighborhood. The girls and I had just finished reading Scott O'Dell's book, Island of the Blue Dolphins. It is a story of a brave Chumash Indian girl. We had also been studying Chumash history and social studies at Weathersfield. That's what made this in-service Monday so exciting for us. We each saved up $10 and had the day all planned out. In the morning, we would ride our bikes to the Chumash Interpretive Center, and in the afternoon, we would ride our bikes back up to Pino Burger and get some lunch. You need that nourishment to make it back up the hill on Herbs Road. That must be them now. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Caitlin. Are you ready for our big trip? You bet. Just let me get my money. Do you think it is going to be crowded? This early on a Monday? I doubt it. We might even be the only ones there. Okay, then we're off. The ride down Herbs Hill was a breeze. We shot up Los Arbolas, and in no time flat, we were coasting into the parking lot of the Chumas Center. Come on, let's run. This is going to be so great. As we ran to the front door, our uncontrollable excitement turned to deepest disappointment. Caitlin looked up at the sign and said, Closed on Mondays. Bummer. Make a bummer. I was counting on getting some valuable Chumash information for my social studies report that is due next week. Super mega bummer. I wanted to see some of the Chumash art and tools and clothes and stuff. All the things we just read about. We turned around and sat on the steps. We hung our heads on our hands. No sense in moping around here all day. Might as well just go home. Just then, a voice around the corner said, Hey, kids, 
Were you waiting to visit the Chumash Center? Yes, but the center is closed on Mondays. Yeah, oh, what a shame. But you know, if you wanted to have a real Chumash Indian experience, maybe I, uh, nah, forget it. What? What, 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 what is, is it? it? Can, Can you get, get it in? in? No, well, it's just, uh, I know this place. Nah, forget I mentioned it. I'm sure that you'd not be up for a real adventure. What is it? We are always interested in adventure. Are you sure? Yes, yes. Well, it's just that uh, my name is actually Fred Black Eagle Kilboski, and I am a native Chumash Indian. A Chumash Indian with the last name of Kilboski? Okay, half Chumash Indian. Anyhow, I've lived around Oak Brook Park all my life, and I have uncovered a secret ancient Chumash Indian cave where they conducted their most sacred and important ceremonies. Secret Chumash Cave? Can you take us there? Well, I don't know. It's supposed to be a secret for only the bravest Chumash warriors. Oh, please. We're not scared, and we won't tell anybody, will we, girls? Uh, I suppose that just this once, for a small fee of, say, uh, $10 a piece, I could make an exception. Just this once! We all agreed and handed Mr. Black Eagle our lunch money. He led us up a rarely used trail in Oakbrook Park. It was heavily overgrown, and we hiked for at least 15 minutes through thick brush. When we were about halfway up Simi Peak, he stopped, lifted his finger at a large rock face, and said, There, there it is, the entrance to the ancient sacred cave of the greatest Chumash spiritual leader to have ever lived. He lit a candle and crawled on his belly through a small opening in the bottom of the rock. We followed him in. Once inside, we sat Indian style in a tight circle. Our heads almost touched the cave roof. The dust settled, and the small candle illuminated the primitive but awe-inspiring cave paintings on the walls. Oh my gosh, look at these ancient cave paintings. Here is one of a Chumash woman mashing acorns into a meal. Wow, awesome. Look at this one, which shows a religious ceremony with natural herbs. And here is one of Chumash men hunting buffalo on horseback with bows and arrows. Okay, that does it. I have had enough of Mr. Fred Black Eagle, whatever your name is. You are nothing but a big phony, and unless you give us our $10 back, I am going to the Chumash Center or the Thousand Oaks Star or whoever I have to and have you exposed for the fraud that you are. All right, audience, that's mystery number five. What tipped off Ashley to the fact that the whole cave was a hoax? Okay, Golden Lips, do your stuff and give him something really inspirational this time.
Mystery number six, the case of the Weathersfield curse. Being of a proud Irish heritage, I am almost ashamed to admit that I was not quite a true believer in the luck of the Irish. That is, until the girls and I were able to solve this case, which proved to me beyond a shadow of doubt that there was something more at play than just good detective work. It happened like this. We were sitting in the cafeteria on March 17th, St. Patty's Day, don't you know, when Francis asked, Hey, Caitlin, swapping my extra-large great Powerade for your Pacific Cooler Capri Sun? No way! That stuff stained your teeth blue! Is everybody hanging around for the St. Patty's Day party? Yep, sure, wouldn't miss it. Me too, they always have good treats and fun games. Besides, Mrs. O'Brien is such a hoot around this time of year. Just then, we heard a loud scream coming from the kitchen. We all ran quickly to the back room and saw Miss Katie O'Brien. She was just standing there behind the mixing bowls, holding a big white box with a look on her face as though she saw a ghost. Mrs. O'Brien, we heard a loud scream. Are you okay? Of course I'm not okay. Nothing's okay. We're all doomed. Doomed, lassie, for one whole year of bad luck. The whole school just doomed, I tell ya. Why, Miss O'Brien? Whatever do you mean? Just see for yourself. She lowered the box, and we carefully crept up to gaze over the edge and took a peek. There they were, a huge box full of bright yellow cupcakes. Caitlin looked her straight in the eye and said, They are cupcakes with yellow frosting. Exactly my point. What's wrong with yellow cupcakes? I a daft woman. It's St. Patty's Day, don't you know? Of course, I ordered green cupcakes for the party, but what does that Poppin' Jay Baker send me? Pokemon Yellow. What'll I do with Pokemon Yellow cupcakes? Oh, I don't think it's all that bad, Miss O'Brien. The kids will never know the difference, and they would like these just the same. You don't understand, Missy. It's St. Patty's Day. They must eat something sweet and true Irish green, or we'll all be cursed for one whole year. What kind of curse? The worst possible kind, I tell you. The Irish curse. One time, my dear sweet Uncle O'Malley forgot to eat green on St. Patty's Day. The following morning, he had the hiccups for 365 days straight. I don't think we're going to get the hiccups, Mrs. O'Brien. Well, another time, me beloved Aunt Maggie O'Connor deliberately neglected to eat something sweet and green on St. Patty's Day. She ended up with a horrible rash that lasted one whole year. I, the poor woman with that rash, she couldn't even pair on a pair of breeches for a whole year. Well, if it really is that important, why not just call the bakery and have them redo the cupcakes? Not a chance. The stores are all closed, and the party will start in 30 minutes. Hey, we're done for... Oh, woe is me, the whole school doomed for a year. I shudder to think of the consequences. No problem, Mrs. O'Brien. Fortunately, we have just the solution to this sticky wicket. We'll have those cupcakes fixed up and just perfect before you can kiss the Blarney Stone. Any ideas, audience? How is Caitlin going to spare Weathersfield one year of the Irish curse and fix the cupcakes to boot? Here's an old Irish jig from Mr. Dave to bring out the mystery-solving lucky charms in ya.
This is mystery number seven, the case of Rotten to the Core. I think every great neighborhood in America has one, a neighborhood matriarch of sorts, usually an old woman living by herself who is very friendly and active in community affairs. You can usually find them in their front yard in the evening saying hello to the passerbys or having a short conversation with the neighbors. Fountainwood, that's where the girls and I live, is no exception. Her name is Miss Catherine Canwright. She has the oldest, largest, and most distinctive house on the block. It was one of the few homes in California to have a basement. Her late husband, Mr. Cornelius Canwright III, had made his fortune in the piano business. There was a time not long ago when owning a Canwright piano meant high class. At any rate, since the untimely death of Mr. Canwright, Mrs. Canwright lost all interest in the piano business, so she had sold out to a large company and made herself a small fortune. She was very well off. She had a butler and a chauffeur and a gardener and a maid, but she never lost her genuine concern for people, especially us kids. Every other week or so, we would go over to her house. We would sit in the formal living room and play cards, Go Fish was her favorite. She would have her butler, Mr. Appleby, serve us tea and cookies. It was so cool. One summer day, the girls and I were getting kind of bored. So Frances said, Hey guys, it's been a while seeing Miss Canwright. Let's go pay her a visit. Do you think she will be mad if we show up uninvited? No, Mrs. Canwright never gets mad about anything. It was decided. We made the walk down to Mrs. Canwright's house, but as we approached the house, something seemed terribly wrong. Look how dark it is in the house. All the windows and drapes are closed shut. And look at the truck on the side of the house loading up all that stuff. Is that the creepy butler Appleby? Yeah, that's him, but what in the world is he doing? It looks like he's shoving that heavy piano up the basement stairs so he can put it in that truck. Maybe we should come back another time. No way. I'm going to find out what's happening. We walked up to the front door and knocked. Yes, may I help you? Hello, Mr. Appleby. Is Mrs. Canwright available? Mrs. Canwright is tied up at the moment. Then he shut the door right in our face. Come on, girls, I said. Let's go. Not so fast. Yes, it's you children again. When will Miss Canwright be available? Can we come back later? Miss Canwright is gone. She has left the country and will not be returning. Then why were you loading up all of her stuff into that truck on the side of the house? We saw you pushing that piano up the basement stairs. Well, actually, children, if you must know, Miss Kenwright left me a note explaining her situation. She instructed me to sell all of her personal items and keep the money for myself. A small compensation for all the years of devoted service I gave her and her late husband. Can we see the note? Certainly not. I am sure the police want to make sure the house is safe before you leave. I can call them right now if you like. <clears throat> Wait here. I will get the note. About five minutes later, the butler finally came back to the door holding a note. 
It was obviously in Mrs. Canwright's handwriting, so he handed it to Frances, and she read it out loud. My dear friends, it is with great regret that the situation I now find myself in forces me to leave. A friend named Jonathan from Australia has just emailed me from his Macintosh saying that Granny Smith is being a real crab. She is driving in some small, red, delicious sports car, causing all kinds of problems for the family in the land down under. Since I will not be returning to this house, the butler can have all my worldly possessions. Signed, Catherine Kenwright. There, are you satisfied? Now, if we are quite through, I am a very busy man, so good day to you. Poor Mrs. Canwright. Sounds like she has some real problems. Yeah, I hope everything works out for her. Yep, she's got some problems, all right, and it's up to us to help. Quick, ladies, back to the house. We have to call the police. Why? What for? Mr. Appleby is holding Miss Canwright prisoner in the basement, and it's up to us to save her. That's mystery number seven, folks. What tipped off Francis that Mrs. Canwright had been abducted by Mr. Appleby and was being held prisoner in the basement? For extra credit, try to identify all five clues that prove that the butler did it. Do your stuff, Dave. the seventh inning stretch. This is the case of the Chistosa Chihuahua. One day, while I was walking my girl Poodle at the bark park, she was approached by three boy dogs. There were a Chihuahua, a German Shepherd, and a Bulldog. Since my Poodle was a very pretty dog, all three boy dogs wanted to go on a date with her. My Poodle said that she would only go on the date with the boy dog who could use liver and cheese in a clever sentence. The Bulldog looked at her and said, I love liver and cheese. But my poodle just turned up her nose and walked on. The German shepherd saw her reaction and said, I hate liver and cheese. But my poodle just turned up her nose and kept walking. When the chihuahua saw that, he looked at the bulldog and the German shepherd and said, Leave her alone. She's mine. Get it? Leave her alone. She's mine. Live her alone. She's mine. <laughs> hey, come on, Francis. That's not the mystery. Yeah, Francis, the audience is in no mood for jokes. They are ready to solve the next mystery. Hey, I'm sorry, but I just love that old joke. Besides, after that last mystery, I thought everybody could use a little humor. Anyway, on to the next case. <laughs> This is mystery number eight, the case of the double-talking merchant. Have you ever been to a flea market and swap meat in Ventura? Me neither, but I have driven by it lots of times, and they say it is one of the largest of its kind in California. They get people trading stuff from all over the world. I was always very curious about what goes on there. I was interested in what types of things they trade and what kind of people trade them. That's why I called the girls as soon as I read in the Thousand Oaks Acorn paper that this was the weekend of the largest swap meet of the year. 
We all agreed that this Saturday we would venture out into this great marketplace and experience the sights, sounds, and smells of an authentic swamp meet. On Saturday morning, Ashley and Caitlin came over and asked, Hey, Francis, what are you going to wear? Gosh, I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. What are you going to wear, Caitlin? Hmm, that's a good question. This is our first swap meet, and the last thing we want to do is make a faux pas. That's French for fashion mistake. This sounds like an event with an international flair. You're right, Caitlin. I read it in the newspaper that people from all over the world might be attending. This sounds like a formal affair to me. I'm going to wear my black sequins dress and the diamond earrings that my dad bought me in Europe. If you're going to wear that, Francis, then I'm going to borrow my mom's long strand pearl necklace and wear my fancy sweater from Easter. Well, I think I can use my sister's elegant homecoming dress, and maybe she wouldn't mind if I wore her sapphire ring that my grandmother gave her. Hot dog, ladies. We're going to fit into this international crowd just fine. Ventura Flea Market, here we come! We arrived at the swap meet and immediately began strolling through the crowds and rows of booths that they had set up. Hey guys, why is everyone pointing at us? Well, maybe they are just trying to figure out what international country we are from. Yep, that's probably it. Ladies, over here. Who are you? Who are you? My name is Abdul Alibai, purveyor of ancient Egyptian treasures. Uh, may I interest you in some priceless jewelry, like uh, perhaps these? Ah, very nice. This collection of items comes straight from the tomb of King Ramses II himself. Ancient gold and silver artifacts from the pyramids of Egypt. Fortunes that nations have fought wars over. Why is the jewelry so dingy looking? These items are over 2,500 years old. But not even the march of time can take away their true worth. They are beautiful, but I'm afraid we don't have any money. Well, now, the, that is a problem. Hmm. But I wonder, might you have anything of value to trade? Uh, your sapphire ring and this pearl necklace and this diamond earring. Hmm, they look interesting. And how is it that you are able to obtain such important historical artifacts? Ah, now that is an interesting story. When I was a boy, not that much older than you, I think, I belonged to the bravest of all desert caravan teams. We were the Royal Dromedary Corps. We were responsible for transporting untold riches all over the Arabian world. We would strap a 200-pound pack to one hump of the camel. Then we would strap ourselves onto the other hump. We would ride for 100 miles a day in the hot sun, the blowing dust of the Sahara Desert, for 20 days and 20 nights. No food, no water. It was here that my empty pockets allowed me to have secured for myself a small selection of the most valuable pieces. Come on, girls, let's leave. This double-talking purveyor of phony pharaoh treasures has nothing we want. That's mystery number eight for you, audience. How did Ashley know the man was lying? No sweat, right? Well, here's a little mystery-solving music to help you along. They're all yours, Golden Lips. <laughs> Thank you. 
Mystery number nine, the case of the found kitty and the lost kit. Listen, because this one is a toughie. It was a beautiful Sunday afternoon in Thousand Oaks, and we were doing what we always do on Sunday afternoons, hang out. Francis and I were playing together when Caitlin came up and asked, Hi guys, what are you playing? Jacks, it's really pretty easy. You bounce this ball once and start picking up the jacks, but you gotta catch the ball again before it bounces twice. Well, look what I got. Oh, cool. What is it? A big magnet. What do you do with it? Pick up metal stuff. Here, watch. I hold this magnet over the jacks and poof, it sucks them up. See? Wow, Wow, cool, cool, awesome. awesome. Just then, we heard a cry for help. Oh, no! We ran over to the next street and found old Widow Wilson standing in front of her house. What is wrong, Miss Wilson? Oh, girls, I'm glad you're here. It's my Felix. He's lost. I can hear him calling for me, but I can't find him anywhere. Who is Felix? He is my dear, precious cat, of course. I have had him all these years. Sure, he's a little fat now, but I love him all the same. It must be his animal magnetism. <laughs> Can you see him anywhere? No, no I don't no see him right here. here. But can't you hear him? Meow, meow. Oh, yeah. I we do hear him, too, yeah. But where is the sound coming from? We began to walk around and try to detect where the sound was coming from. Hey, guys, it sounds to me like the noise is coming from under the street. Oh, Francis, I think you're right. Felix must be lost in one of the drainage pipes. But how did he get down there? The girls looked around, and directly true north of where they were standing was a storm drain about 100 yards away. Come on, girls, we have to rescue that cat. Miss Wilson handed them a flashlight and said, Oh, good luck, girls. Bring my Felix home, but please do be careful down there. One by one, we crawled into the storm drain and traveled on our knees down the long, narrow concrete pipe toward the desperate cries of Felix. It was pitch black and scary in the tunnel. The air smelled wet and sour, and the echoing sounds made it even more spookier. It seemed like we had gone for miles when all of a sudden, Caitlin shined the flashlight down the tunnel and said, Hey, look, there he is, up by that large dome area where all the storm pipes join up. Come on, hurry. He looks like he's in bad shape. Felix was shivering and lying down in the dirty water. He was surrounded by trash. There was empty soda bottles with the cap still on it floating in the puddles. There were iron construction nails everywhere. Meow, meow. Uh, it's okay, boy. We'll have you home real soon. Meow, meow. Good job, ladies. Let's get home. Okay, but which tunnel leads home? Was it that one? No, Francis. It was that one. No, you guys. I think it was that one. Oh, no. We found Felix, but now we are lost. It's so dark down here, and all we have is this one flashlight. If we pick the wrong tunnel and start crawling, we could be lost forever down here. What are we going to do? No worries. I have it all figured out. Give me a minute, and I will point us to the correct tunnel. Okay, audience, now it's your turn. Any ideas how Caitlin is going to do it? This is probably the toughest mystery on the tape, but you can solve it if you remember your science lessons. Here's a hint. Think about all the items that the girls have at their disposal. Some mystery solving music is in order. Take us there, Dave. Mm -hmm.
Entry number 10, The Case of Pure Poetry. The Harvest Fest at Weathersfield is hands down the best fundraiser the school does. I love the decorations. I love the contest. I love the live music, and I especially love the haunted house. (laughs) But the number one best thing about the Harvest Fest is the costumes. It is the only time of year when you can dress outrageously. The girls and I were strolling along collecting a bunch of candy when Riddle and Jake, the band drummer, said, Fabulous day, is it not, to obtain some candy that is store-bought? All the costumes, all the tricks. Trade you one of my Snickers for two of your pixie sticks. Riddle and Jake was famous for saying everything in a rhyme. Okay, Jake, I will trade you. It looks like the whole school is here and everyone's costume is great. There's Tommy in a monkey suit. And there's Kevin dressed up like Frankenstein. And there's Mitchell in a pirate outfit. Over there is Karen dressed up like Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Oh, and there's Erin dressed in a gypsy outfit. She looks great. Rebecca is dressed up like it was Valentine's Day. Isn't that clever? Oh, and Megan is wrapped up like a mummy. Has anyone been in the haunted house yet? Nope, let's go. I heard it was really creepy. I heard there's some guy in there dressed up like a devil that's scaring the bejeepers out of the kids. Come on, let's go. We can leave our candy here. We paid for our ticket and went through the haunted house. I thought I was going to die in there. It was so spooky. When we came out, Francis yelled, Hey, what happened to our candy? We left our bags right here, and now our bags are gone. Oh, rats, someone swiped our candy. The girls looked around the courtyard. It was packed with kids in their costumes. They saw Jake in the corner and decided to ask him if he noticed anything. Hey, Jake, did you see someone take our Halloween candy? I cannot tell a lie, for I did see the guilty person that took candy from thee. Well, who was it? We want to go pay them a little visit. If you please, I will put it this way. Find the reindeer missing from the list I say. Then you will have your clue to the guilty kid and ask this person where the candy is hid. Rudolph and Vixen were fancy beasts, but Comet and Dancer weren't jealous in the least. Prantle and Blitzen did not hold Santa's affection till Donda and Dashiell gave them an attitude correction. One deer is missing, but you must be shrewd to solve this mystery and catch the guilty dude. Message received. That's all I need. Come on, girls. Follow me. Sounds like Francis has it all figured out. How about you? Any ideas? The correct answer to this mystery should include the first name of the candy thief. It's all yours, Golden Lips. Francis here. Well, 
How did you do? Do you think you have them all figured out? Easy breezy, right? Please do not delay in emailing your answers to carpoolmysteries at gmail.com because we will soon be compiling a list of responses and republishing all 10 mysteries with solutions included very soon. Also, how are you enjoying the mysteries? If we had new mysteries, do you think this podcast is something you would like to receive each week? If so, send us an email to carpoolmysteries at gmail.com and we will add you to our list. Do you think you might want to form a mystery player's troop of your own and write and publish your very own mysteries? If you are interested in learning more, please go to carpoolmysteries.com. I have a website that has additional information on getting started. The concept is still just maturing, but depending on the level of interest, we could coordinate creativity groups from local high schools to help author mysteries for you to produce. Fame and notoriety await. Stay safe, and we look forward to hearing from you. Thank you.